0: Educators, have you ever had a real genius in class? What made him or her so smart? When I was student teaching, I had a work-study gig at a wraparound program in my city. It was half tutoring, half daycare for students that needed a place to go between that time when school ended but before their parents got home. While it was mostly populated by middle and high school students, there were a handful of very young children as well, five to six years old. One very little girl, she couldn't have been older than six, was probably five, approached me with a box of chess. She didn't know how to play, but said her father played and she wanted to learn how. I'm not a chess expert, but I've played a good amount of times and read a few books, and I can beat my friends or a hard computer. To clarify that, I'm talking about the hard setting on my phone. It's about 1500 ELO. I'm somewhere above that, but probably not by much. I met with this little girl for about 30 minutes every day. In two days, she understood all the rules and could play competently. At the end of the week, she tied the game in a stalemate. At the end of the second week, I never won again. Turns out she was the daughter of a professor at my college, and he was an internationally ranked chess player. When I ran into him, he couldn't thank me enough for teaching his daughter chess as his wife had issued a decree that he wasn't allowed to teach or play or mention chess around their daughter. Understandable, didn't want to pressure her or discourage her. Chess was in these people's genes, man. I teach a university-level writing course for people who typically aren't in writing heavy majors, math, science, etc., it's hard to make a 100 in a writing course for anyone because even great writers do something wrong in papers sometimes. A missing citation, argument could be more nuanced, rushed through conclusion, etc. All mistakes that will at least take you from a 100 to a 98 or something. This kid made a stone cold 100 on every paper. Like I literally couldn't find anything wrong in any of them. That is bizarre for even great writers. I've never felt more worthless as a teacher because there was just nothing I could suggest to improve unless I started making stuff up. I found out later that he had a 100 in all of his classes that semester, including some really difficult upper-level STEM ones. I don't know if he was a genius, but he's probably the closest I've had, and I wonder if having a 99 average would feel like a disappointment to him." My ex taught primary school, and she gave her class a weekly spelling test and said anyone who bettered their score from last week would receive a chocolate. Most kids got 15 or above out of 20, except for one kid who got zero. She said all the other kids had made fun of him, as kids would, but he was strangely calm about it. Didn't get stressed from the teasing, as most kids would. Next test, he got one. Same ordeal, but received a chocolate as per the rules. Next week, two, then three, then four, receiving a chocolate each week. I didn't fathom a 10-year-old kid could conduct something so cunning. This was an odd 15 years ago. Wouldn't be surprised if he was super successful now. <laughs> smart kid, but I'm not sure that the right lesson was being taught to him. I have taught at university level for decades and have certainly come across some very smart kids. High success most often correlates with an element of obsession and work ethic. There are, however, two students out of the 10,000 plus I have taught who stand out. Student 1 was deeply obsessed with his area of study and just about anything else. He rarely went to the lectures he had signed up for and could be found sitting in the back of classes of every subject you could imagine. He was a socially very engaged person whose enthusiasm was exhausting. His final GPA was very mediocre, a fact that did not bother him in the slightest. He had no interest in the minutia of undergraduate study. He was working at a PhD level and beyond in his final undergraduate year, sucking every bit of information out of his professors. He ultimately became a high-tech multimillionaire. Student number two may be what you're looking for and is the only example I've encountered. This was a very shy and humble young man who took a long time to get to know, but was very engaging once you did. He came from a working-class family with no history of higher education and worked long hours at McDonald's. The first thing I noticed was the truly extraordinary quality of his work, effortlessly solving problems that previous students had not even come close to solving. His ability to pick up complex ideas and even extend them was unrivaled. Other professors reported the same. Pressures of work and many other problems resulted in him not turning up to class often, but he would still ace the course. In his final term, he did not attend a single class of any subject. He simply turned up for the final exam and midterm. He won the undergraduate gold medal for the university. He sadly now is socially dysfunctional, unemployed, and has been in trouble with the law. I always felt the system did not serve him well. I'm not sure about genius, but I'm currently teaching a very bright student in a class that is supposedly remedial. His home life is horrible and his behavior prevents a serious challenge. But he can skim my notes before a lesson and completely understand it. To keep him engaged, I will sometimes ask him to help me explain a concept, and he can do it just as well if not sometimes better than I can. He's gotten a 100% on every test and quiz that we've had this year. I asked the principal why the student is in the class that he's in, and he said that administrators won't put him in advanced classes because his behavior is distracting others. I've recommended this student for advanced classes next year, and I have an assistant principal on my side now. We're working with him on his behavior, which has shown improvement, especially in the past few weeks. High school history teacher here. The genius student I had didn't open the textbook once, took very little notes, came to review sessions, yet sat attentively and answered every question I asked aloud correctly. Showed up to all my tests with just a pencil and would be first to finish nearly every time. Only question he ever got wrong was a bonus one in my first month of teaching that asked the students to correctly spell my last name, as the majority never call me anything but miss. Fantastic all-round kid too. Athlete, in the musicals, social, loved by all. Got into every college he applied for. Michael was seven when I met him, and what set him apart was his ability to direct his own learning, his well-rounded intelligence, and his genuine love of learning. He was in my third grade class, and it was clear right away that he was smart could do any math we gave him, spell anything, reading on a higher level than we tested for. And I teach in a town that's pretty pretentious about its kids. Very high socionomic level, tons of kids go to Ivy Leagues, many parents think their kid is a genius. Michael's mum knew he was smart, but didn't seem to get how smart. But he was never the kind to show off or want to impress people. He loved learning and was so excited to share it with everyone. Some noteworthy things he did. Taught himself about the stock market, His mum wouldn't let him invest money, so he invested theoretical amounts and then showed her what it would have earned. Came in with an autobiography of George Bush to read during the silent reading. Not a kid version, the official biography. He was able to tell me about it and commented that he disagrees with Bush politically, but felt bad for him because he thought he was pushed into politics by wanting to live up to his dad, but wasn't happy in it. Noticed some languages have similarities, so started mapping out how he thought they were related. This was in second grade. In third grade, he showed me his map and I told him about language family trees and he was so excited. He got really into language isolates and wanted to learn Basque. Related to this, he made himself flashcards of Greek and Latin roots to help his spelling and vocabulary. Taught himself hexadecimal and binary and was working on other computer languages. He was incredibly socially intuitive and empathetic. He would say to me, I think so-and-so is upset and the kid in question would be fine. Inevitably, before the day ended, that kid would have a meltdown or ask to talk to me about an issue. I learned fast to trust Michael's judgement. This also made him a really great friend. He did it with me too. He'd ask if I was okay and I'd be having a really rough day. It was so strange but sweet to have this tiny kid say things like, let me know what I can do to support you today. Oh, and I've thought of another. He was also musically very gifted, taught himself some instruments, and could identify pretty obscure musical pieces by ear. He moved at the end of the year, and I lost touch. It was so great getting to be his teacher. It's cheesy, but I learned so much about how to teach and support gifted students by working with him. As someone who basically speaks one and a half languages, despite working in both for many years, I'm incredibly envious of just this kid's talent for picking languages up. Wow. I'm a former teacher. Geniuses just know things. There's not much you can teach them in today's schools because they're so far ahead of the rest of the class that you can't teach them and the rest of the students at the same time. I had a student who reads books in class. If I asked her to explain what I had just said, she explained it perfectly without looking up from the book. Some students complained about her making A's while reading books in class while they listened and didn't make A's. I couldn't help that. She was bored in class, I could waste classes' time scolding her, or I could leave her alone. I teach French, and I think I currently have one in my French 4 class. This kid is insane. No stuff that I've never explicitly taught, demonstrated on in-class assessments, so no Google Translate happening here. She's also not the cheating kind of kid. She masters difficult grammatical concepts without even needing to practice them. All I have to say is, this is how and why you use the subjunctive. And she gets it. Perfectly. Every time. In speech, in writing, everything she does is meticulous, well thought out, and above and beyond what I ask for. And she's like this in every class. I have good students in my school, really good students, affluent district, but this girl absolutely takes the cake. Helps teach a student at another high school who is an extremely talented arts student. This kid has the ability to take something from concept to in front of you, in reality, in less than a few hours. He helped design and build an entire set for a play we did on a ridiculously small budget. What made him so smart is his ability to think through all of the logical steps of the process immediately. He figured out the potential problems before they happened and took steps to avoid them from the planning stages. To me, this is what makes someone an actual genius. The ability to understand and work through a problem quickly and effortlessly that most others struggle with. It is absolutely incredible just how wide the gap is between the lowest performer and the highest performer in a single classroom. I teach AP Physics, among other things, and one of my students got finished with his work in one fourth of the time through the class and gave everyone at his table the answers just so he could talk with his friends about the particularly relative nature of mathematics. It was fantastic to see. At a table right next to his, I had a student ask me, Why does NASA need money to build things if they're so important to build? Shouldn't they just build them? Please support Tracked Learning. I mean, I think this kid just solved our national debt issue. We don't need to pay anyone. If the work is important, they'll do it. Not a genius per se, but I've had a few very gifted kids in my classes. Sometimes they're just naturally gifted or their parents push them or support them outside of school. Some want to learn as many new skills as possible and absorb all the information you give them. They can be left to work on something as long as it interests them. Others know they're capable of doing very well, but they don't care and slack off a bit because they know they can. It's very difficult to motivate these students sometimes. Sometimes they get bored by the work or don't want to write the reports that go with it. This can sometimes be a problem because most pieces of coursework require certain things which must be in it to receive a good grade, and they question the need for it. One very, very gifted girl I taught was an absolute pleasure to have in class. I remember doing a couple of things on the Nepal earthquakes when they happened last year. I was a geography teacher, and she wrote an absolutely outstanding essay on the impacts and everything, comparing it to some other examples, things like that. I think what really helped her to do so well was the fact that her parents were very, very supportive and nice people, also intelligent, and they kept just enough pressure on her to do well without being helicopter parents. She had a really positive attitude to school and academia in general and could see the value of everything she learned. I spoke to her English teacher after getting this incredible essay, and she said she was writing at a similar level then. By the way, she was 11 and writing at the sort of level and detail I'd expect from my 17 to 18-year-olds. Apparently, she read a lot of books and was always just interested. Brilliant stuff. I actually learnt stuff from her on occasion, which was amazing and always made me smile. Anyway, I showed this essay to a member of senior management who thought after seeing it, it was plagiarism. But she wrote it there in front of me. I miss teaching when I think back to pupils like her. I think the most interesting kid I ever taught was during my teaching practice. He was a 14-year-old kid called David, not especially interested in school, preferring to be outside messing with his mates or playing football, but he had the most interesting style of writing I've ever come across. So articulate and mature, yet with a quirky, humorous edge to it that showed a real independence of thought. I loved reading his work. It's been 10 years since I taught him and I've yet to come across another pupil of his quality. I only taught him for a few months before I moved to a different placement, but I did take him aside before I left to tell him that I thought he had a real talent he could pursue. There was something innate with him, a real natural flair and talent. Others have achieved great success through pure hard work and determination, but I wouldn't class them as geniuses. I think I'm going to echo the sentiment of many of the other commenters that I read while getting through these stories now. This is a slightly demoralizing read to some of us who didn't come out of the womb with a brain firing on all cylinders with talent in all subjects. Oh well. I don't know if I would say that she was a genius, but there is one student I always think about. This was at a school that is known for having some of the smartest students around, at least in the on-paper sense that they had great grades and test scores. And this was a class that attracted a lot of the highest achievers. Read pre-med requirement. She had the highest average for all of the regular graded work. Labs, problem sets, exams. But there's only so far you can stand apart from the others with those, particularly at a school like that. What allowed me to be completely blown away by her was her research papers. This was one of those core courses that had multiple professors, so he had to standardize the material, and there was a standard rubric for how the students were supposed to write the research papers, what essential questions they should be answering along the way, how to do the primary literature research, and how to cite your sources. The papers I got almost always fell into one of two categories, the C or below papers and the A papers. The C papers were from the students who, for some reason, didn't really get it with the rubric and still wrote it like it was a high school paper where they were obviously just rewording what they read on Wikipedia, plus some light cut-and-paste plagiarism from the abstracts of papers they clearly never read. And not enough citations. The A papers were from students who simply followed the rubric to the letter. They answered every question in the paper consecutively as it was written in the rubric, cited their sources, always reading and using just enough papers to be sufficient, and no more, with the occasional sprinkling of the subtle cut-and-paste plagiarism. These papers were usually dull as crap, but often never had so much as a typo, so I pretty much had to give them an A because they did what I asked them to do. I never liked including the research papers in this course because the students were clearly not mature enough to really tackle the material in a productive way. They were fine freshman papers, but a waste of everyone's time in the end. Then, one day, I had the student in my class. She never followed the rubric and its dopey questions at all. She thought of her own questions for the topic, the ones that were the most interesting and relevant to that topic specifically. Many of these questions were truly insightful and open-ended as well. She went into the literature and really read and clearly understood these papers that should have been way over the head of any normal teenager college student. Then, on top of that, she would obtain the data from these papers and run her own different analyses using very complex methodologies that I didn't teach until the most advanced courses for seniors and graduate students, so she was clearly just teaching herself as she went along. Lastly, she was a terrific writer, maybe one of the best I've ever read. Her papers always came in way too long for the limit. Normally, a sign the paper was an editing nightmare, and I loved reading them. She knew how long the paper needed to be to cover the topic, and my limits were just suggestions she chose to ignore, and rightfully so. She is the type of student I think should get an A, not the other I-dotters and T-crosses. But alas, in the world of grade inflation, about 25% of my students always got A's. I've had a lot of really smart students, but never had another one like her. I love students like that. I teach an honors class and the kids are so set on following a rubric to the letter that I love to set them up with an intentionally vague assignment in order to spur creativity. For example, to demonstrate that they understand the thematic elements of the literary movement for transcendentalism, I gave them the assignment, represent transcendentalism in another medium. So I actually got projects like a stop motion video, a fake Tumblr, a children's book, a memory box, paintings, photography, etc. Honors kids tend to get the concepts quicker, but show reluctance if not given explicit instructions. I force them to be more interpretive. I had a student last fall in an Introduction to American Politics course, who was a computer science major taking the course as an elective. This kid absorbed information like a sponge and performed better on exams and essays than any of the political science majors. He would often drop by my office just to chat about politics and statistical programming. He eventually stopped coming to classes many days because I had to dumb down all the material so much for the other students. He still passed with flying colors and had a higher average than anyone else in the class and eventually started a double major in political science and computer science. Students like that make the job worth the effort. My point here was that not only one single student makes the job worth the while, actually teaching is only one third of my job, in addition to helping advise students and conducting my own research. I devote my position as a professor to all of my students individually, if they're willing to accept that attention. Many students refuse to come to class, complete assignments, study for exams, or show up at all during office hours. This is unfortunate for those students, and if I just described you, then you need to get off Reddit and read a freaking book. The truth is, I love my job very much. If I didn't, I would quit. Simple as that. I came for the story of a genius. I stayed for the repressed, salty rant of a college professor. Fun to get insight into the mind of one of our higher education authority figures. I did, however, it's a bit of a sad story. I worked at a special school for you people labeled as emotionally disturbed. One of my students would finish assignments in under 10 minutes. I would try to differentiate for him, but I'll be honest that I was a new teacher and not very good at it, combined with the fact that I was teaching five subjects and dealing with a variety of classroom challenges. Logically, his response was, why do I have to do more work just because I'm smart? He had a fair point, and I couldn't see me forcing him to complete work that probably didn't challenge him anyway, so I let him play RuneScape. Now, before you get pitchforks out, let me explain my logic. I, a bit of a nerd myself, understood the mental exercise of contemplating the most efficient or effective means of doing something in a video game, and although I never played RuneScape, figured it offered him an outlet to do something similar. Unfortunately, being a genius isn't all fun and games. Intellectual theorists say the further your IQ is from the norm of 100, the harder time you have relating to the masses. As I mentioned before, I was at a special school. This young man struggled with peer relations and had a crippling anxiety that often manifested in self-harm. He would beat his head on his desk, punch himself, slam his face into the corner of metal filing cabinets, etc. If we were lucky, he would just crawl under a desk and cry and cry. My heart went out to him, as I know sometimes thinking of my future and the world around me can turn into a grim task. I can only imagine how it looked to a young boy placed in a special ed setting when his mind was left to wander. I know my colleagues may disagree, but I still feel RuneScape was therapy. I've had some smart kids, so smart that others think they're a genius. But for me, they're just really clever. That being said, there was this one kid. Not that bright, but he did this one thing that had genius written all over it. I sat there talking him through some trig. Got to the point where it was something like tan 65, and I thought, damn, I forgot to grab a calculator. What did he do? He told me it to the nearest whole number. I was shocked and thought it was a fluke. I gave him another and guess what? He got that right too. He wasn't the brightest kid, but he knew his trig ratios a kid in standard Algebra 2 who never did a lick of homework but made hundreds on every test. I talked to him and he said he didn't see the point in wasting his time in homework when he already knew how to do the problems. A month or two into the year, I told him I'd just make his test average his grade. I also had a talk with him to say that sometimes in life, you can cut to the chase when you know your stuff, but sometimes you still have to jump through hoops that seem stupid even when you don't see the point and even when there might not be a point. To those saying that's a bad thing to say to an intelligent kid, try starting a business or patenting your game-changing invention without getting the proper government permits, etc. That even though I'm giving him a break, sometimes you have to do your homework, even when it seems unnecessary. As an aside, I later taught information technology, and I told the kids that if they earned their industry certification at the end of the year, A+, or Microsoft Technology Associate, depending on grade level, I'd change their grades so they got an A for the year. Because earning the certification proves mastery of the concepts I was teaching. Had a 70-80% to pass rate, and I really think this policy had something to do with that. It motivated the kids to work hard, and I almost never had to change a grade.